Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about the global state of online digital trust, and it's my pleasure to be speaking with David Duncan. He's Vice President of Product and Solutions Marketing with the Security Business Unit at CA Technologies. Dave, thanks so much for joining me today. Tom, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. So, Dave, you've just completed your latest survey on online digital trust. What do you find has changed since last year's study? Well, let me correct you there, Tom, for just a second. This is actually the first time that we've done this study. So it's brand new, and it was a global study that we fielded in March and April of 2018. And we went out and we looked and talked to cybersecurity professionals, business executives, and consumers in 10 different countries to understand their perspectives on online digital trust, how important is it, and what are the implications if we're having a loss of trust. So the study is brand new and we just released it and launched it in August of 2018. Well, beautiful. What then are the highlights of the study? And I always like to ask, what surprised you? Well, you know, some obvious things, right? The first thing is, guess what? Digital trust really matters. And if organizations don't get that right, they're gonna suffer significant business impact. In the study results, uh, we learned that 48% of customers drop the products and services of organizations that have had a publicly disclosed data breach. That's a very significant percentage. And at the same time, of the organizations that had a publicly disclosed data breach, of which half that we surveyed had one, 59% of them reported strong to moderate long-term negative impact to their business results. So it all kind of comes together. Publicly disclosed data breaches, half of the organization surveyed had one. Interestingly enough, three-fourths of those had one in the last year. Consumers say, half of them say we're dropping the services of the organizations that we're interacting with, provided they have a choice and there's an alternative, they will do that. And 59% of organizations said they had long-term significant impact to their business results. On some basic levels, common sense, but it all correlates together. And what's interesting is, is that it was a global study and there are different perspectives on this. And in some countries, it's worse than others. As an example, EMEA, um, interestingly enough, China has a greater percentage of people that drop organizations that have had a data breach. So a very interesting study overall. So fair to say there are significant business implications for organizations that have had a breach of trust with their customers. That's exactly right. And, and really there's a great opportunity here also because another part of the study showed that if you look at uh, consumers and how they kind of bucket themselves in terms of low digital trust, moderate digital trust, or high digital trust, if consumers and the people you're interacting with have high digital trust, they will spend about 53% more than organizations that don't have high digital trust with their, with their consumers. So there's a profound reason why organizations want to do this and, and get good at it. To follow up on that, Dave, what can organizations do to move consumers to those higher levels of trust? Well, it's an interesting question, right? So, so if you look at it, and, and part of what we did is, is we, we asked some of the exact same questions of consumers that we asked of the business executives and of the cybersecurity professionals. And what organizations can do is, is there's a set of simple things, okay? And if you look at where organizations have high digital trust, the main characteristics that they call out are things like 
a well-known brand. Clear, simple, easy to understand privacy notifications and information about what's going to be done with their personal information. Community and social influencers are very important. So people that say, hey, this organization is trusted and, and I've had good success with them. So really keeping track of your, your social influencers, making sure you have a great brand reputation is equally as important. So there's a lot of different aspects to that. And, and I, I will also say the other thing that's kind of an interesting part of the study that we found was there's been this big debate in the industry for a number of years about what's more important, reducing friction in the authentication process or making it even more stringent, more secure. And I think as a result of the um, kind of the overhang of all the data breaches and the compromised identities that have happened over the last two or three, four years, what we found is an astounding difference in what consumers say they want versus what organizations are trying to deliver. So while organizations on average, 60% of the business decision makers and the cybersecurity teams say that reducing friction is the most important thing, 86% of consumers said it's safety and security that's the most important thing. They're willing to go through the hurdles to have a safe, more secure experience. So if you're an organization and you're kind of deciding how you're going to build trust with consumers, I think friction is something to consider, but making sure that the consumer feels safe and they know what's happening with their data, they know how you're protecting it is equally as critical. Dave, what's the role for technology to ensure better online trust? So we asked that question also, and so we asked that mainly of the, uh, well, we asked it of all audiences, but some specific questions with IT security and with business decision makers. And so if you look at it, there's a slight set of differences between what's crucial versus very important. So from a cybersecurity side of the house perspective, using more advanced forms of identity verification technology, using behavioral analytics, threat analytics, replacing kind of the traditional usernames and password models. Um, those were rated very high by the cybersecurity teams. By the business executives, they were rated as important, but not as crucial as the cybersecurity teams. And part of that is I think the business executives may have less of a knowledge base about what those technologies will typically do. The other thing that we found is, is that from an overall perspective, another key trend from a technology perspective is that 52% of consumers that we surveyed want to log into applications and web devices in the future using alternative forms of authentication. So fingerprint, facial recognition, iris scanning, voice print, even behavioral analytics. And so consumers are very, very positively oriented towards that trend, maybe because of the fact that we all use mobile devices and many of those devices have fingerprint identification and some have facial scan already today. So we need to move forward. And, and so as part of that moving forward process, eliminating usernames and passwords, eliminating all the redundant corroborating identity information that the hackers are going after, moving to more advanced forms of authentication, that kind of continuous form of authentication, looking at the user interactions, what they're trying to do, and, and implementing a zero trust model. Those all were proven out in the study in terms of things that not only that um, are the organizations interested in adopting, but the consumers seem to be very willing to adopt those also. So Dave, we talked about business implications. What are the implications for the current technologies we use for authentication and access management? Well, I think that's an interesting question, right? So if you think of one of the implications for the current technology stack that we use is every organization is keeping its own proprietary information store 
about identity information. There's federation of authentication information, but each organization keeps a pool of information about the people that they're interacting with and the people that they need to authenticate to. And it is those stores of information that really the cybersecurity hackers are feasting on. Now, this is based on an approach we built back in the 1970s and codified in the 1980s in the Green Book standards, based on authentication using usernames and passwords. But the average user authenticates to many different things every single day. Uh, the number one email that, that Google sees in Gmail is password recovery, password reset. So I think the implications are that we need to move away from the traditional model of username and passwords. We need to move away from the context of storing all or, the, or the, the strategy of storing all this information internally within an organization for corroboration and identity proofing perspective. We need to move to more federated models where identity information can be shared, it can be abstracted through tokens. Um, so I think there's a lot that we have to do to move from the current set of, of technologies to the next generation set or the more modern approaches to identity and access management. Well, Dave, talk to me about CA then. What are you doing now to help organizations to attain higher levels of trust with their own customers? Yeah, so so at CA, uh, many people don't realize how um, how significant CA is in the identity and access management space. You know, just one of our customers, the Internal Revenue Service, we help them manage over 125 million unique identities. We have very, very large customers. Wells Fargo and, and companies that are big brand names that you would know, Federal Express. And we really help them solve these fundamental issues around identity and access management. For us, we've had the same kind of challenges that, like any of the traditional technology vendors, is moving from kind of the traditional model of identity proofing and, and storing information internally to a model of really opening up the identity uh, technology stack. And that includes being able to accept and corroborate identity information from third parties. It also uh, requires us to API enable the entirety of our portfolio so that we can include identity and access management information inside of, as an example, applications, which is another big trend that we see. A lot of new application development um, by organizations really isn't using the traditional IT identity stores. They want to enable identity and access management controls inside of the applications. They want to make a simple call to an application that can provide them information and corroborate the user identity from an authentication perspective. And the final thing that we see is, is that, and, and that has been a key part of our portfolio strategy, is really to imbue and to layer in across all of our identity and access management products, real-time and continuous threat and user behavior analytics so that we can make smarter, more context-based decisions about what the user's trying to do, what the risk is of the device, the activity, the network they're running on, and the type of access they're requesting. So that's what we've been focusing on. Dave, very well said. I appreciate your time and insight today. Thank you very much. All right, Tom, thank you very much. Have a great day, and thank you to all of the ISMG listeners. We've been talking about the global state of online digital trust. I've been speaking with David Duncan. Vice President of Product and Solutions Marketing with the Security Business Unit at CA Technologies. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.